0: Training camp is officially underway at the VMAC. What went down for the Seahawks in their first practice today? Rob Rang and I are going to have all the details on our latest episode of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on
1: Seahawks.
0: Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for our Thursday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Glad to have you listening, and as always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've been waiting for months, training camp officially getting started at the VMAC today. Most of the players on the field participating, there were a few noteworthy players that either were on the pup list or a certain number 14 that was executing a hold-in strategy that we've seen several stars do recently for the Seahawks, waiting for a new contract. We'll have more on that as we get later into the show. But there was some other really big news as well. Second straight day that a Seahawks legend announced his retirement. This time, though, in a bit happier fashion. We'll get to that. And, of course, our takeaways from the first training camp practice. A lot going on at the VMAC today. Now for your lead story here. On locked on Seahawks. Yesterday, Chris Carson was released with a failed physical, and the Seahawks announced today that another legend is going to be retiring. And that is KJ Wright signing a one day contract to make sure that he could retire as a Seahawk. And Rob, I know that he doesn't always get the pub that some of the other elite players that were on the Seahawks roster with those dominant defenses in 2013 and 2014. Often do He doesn't get the same national recognition, say Richard Sherman or Bobby Wagner, or Earl Thomas or Cam Chancellor, even Cliff Averill later in his career did. And yet Wright was as important as any player on that defense because of his leadership and his well-rounded game. And it's only fitting that the Seahawks did this gesture by having him sign a one-day contract to make sure he wraps up his career with the organization that he spent most of his career with and entered the league as a fourth round pick with uh,
1: very well said, my friend. I mean, that, that's the thing. KJ Wright is one of those glue guys. Um, he is one of the most underrated absolute superstars that in, in my experience as a NFL NFL draft analyst um, that I've ever seen. Uh, you know, you, you see how productive that he was, how consistent that he was, how reliable he was, his intelligence, his length, his size, his physicality. I, I remember years ago, Corbin, listening to Bill Belichick talk about the retirement uh, of some of his players. And he ca- he, he kind of called some of them, you know, the Teddy Brewskis, the the Tom Brady's, the you know some of the great players in NFL history that he had the opportunity to coach and he said that he was the perfect player for some of those players and and I feel like in a lot of ways KJ Wright was that because we saw that the Seahawks basically closed their doors on him and he still wanted to play and obviously went to the Las Vegas Raiders for that last year and, and so to see him come back to sign that de- that one year deal or the one day deal to retire as he should as number 50 of the Seattle Seahawks it was an emotional moment you know i had some conversations with some some of the folks you know walk into Vmac today and um I don't know. I just have such great respect for K.J. Wright, for Bobby Wagner, for Cam Chancellor, for for so many players of this this recent generation, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Because you're right, Corbin, we we focus so much on the offensive side of the ball And, and coming on the heels of Chris Carson's sad retirement, tragic retirement in many ways to have an opportunity to kind of celebrate and yet still also have some acknowledgement of the sadness. You'd love to have number 50 KG right out there right now. I mean, with with Seattle and the the questions that they have at the linebacker position to have a guy who not only can play, but has the the mentality and the, the toughness that you want, the heart that you want. Kg Wright was truly one of the great Seahawks of all time. He should be on the, the Ring of Honor at some point. I don't know that he's going to. There's just so many great players of that generation. But Kg Wright truly is a legend. I'm happy that the Seahawks honored him the way that they, that they did today. He absolutely deserved it.
0: You look at his stats. I posted them for our YouTube watchers a few moments ago. He's going to end his career at least the 10 seasons he had in Seattle ranked third in total tackles. He ranks third in tackles for loss third in forced fumbles 110 tackles in 15 playoff games. And yet he only made one pro bowl team. He was the most criminally underrated again, nationally. He just, he did not earn the respect or receive the respect that he had earned and He only got voted to one Pro Bowl, no All-Pro teams. And I don't know necessarily he ever was good enough to be an All-Pro just because there's been some really elite outside linebackers in the NFL, and he never had the pass-rushing numbers. That was not his game. And we know that sacks generate awards, and they generate money. K.J. Wright was an off-ball linebacker, but he showed in his last season that he could play that strong side linebacker spot. And it wasn't something that he was super excited about, But he was a selfless player, always selfless. And so he was going to do whatever he needed to do for the team. And Jordan Brooks was a rookie. They wanted to get him in the lineup with Bruce Irvin out for the year. And he was going to play weak side linebacker. So he willingly went over there. And he had maybe the best season of his career to wrap up his time in Seattle. That's what made the decision not to re-sign him difficult for a lot of fans. Because this was not a situation where you saw obvious decline that was impacting Wright's production. I mean, he was the only player in the NFL in 2020, Rob, that had double-digit tackles for loss and pass breakups. No other player in the NFL did that. But the Seahawks, they have done this over the years, and usually they are pretty good about this. They know when it is time to move on from a player, and it's better to do it a year too early rather than a year too late. And the Seahawks have done a really good job for the most part, of doing that. And I think KJ could still go out and play for a number of teams, but he made it clear earlier this offseason I'm either going to be playing for the Seahawks in 2022, or I'm content to just hang up my cleats. And that's what he opted to do. Again, a very emotional moment. Looking back on his career, did this with Chris Carson yesterday. So many great plays when you look back, so many great memories with KJ Wright. So I'm going to dish this to you first. What are a few plays that really stand out to you when you look back at KJ's career that, that stand above the rest, that really characterize what his career was
1: all about? There's a lot of them. Uh, I, the, the, one that jumps out to me immediately is coming back from the injury and having the interception again in the, against the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott and that wild card that, that wild card game a couple of years ago. I, I just thought that, the the concentration you might remember is in the end zone. Um, it's a tipped pass that he kind of dives and collects for himself, and that was one of the things that, from a talent evaluation standpoint, Corbin. Now I, I always appreciate about KG. Right, there, there's so many different big plays that he made over his career. I love the versatility, the unselfishness that he demonstrated. As you mentioned, is making that transition to a position he'd never played before, yet did it willingly, did it productively. And then again, when the chips were down and he he made some big plays over his career, and the one that really stands out to me, unfortunately from a Seattle perspective, was in a losing cause to Dallas Cowboys, but still was one of the most athletic and instinctive plays I've ever seen a linebacker of his size make.
0: That was one of the few plays sitting in the press box. And obviously, as a reporter, you're not allowed to cheer. But that was one of them that both Cowboys and Seahawks reporters, you could kind of see everybody just kind of jump out of their seat just a little bit because it was a spectacular play. There's one other one that comes to mind where there was the same reaction at the Lumen Field press box. And that was a couple of years ago when K.J. Wright decided to become Spider-Man and make the one-handed interception against the Minnesota Vikings, that was one that I jumped out of my seat a little bit because you just don't see off-ball linebackers, especially a strong side linebacker, make a play like that, and you're like, where did he get those hands? And, of course, the screen master, I have to reference a screen, in 2019, that NFC West championship game in the season finale, Marshawn Lynch obviously returned, and that was a big storyline, but The hit that he put on George Kittle on a tight end screen for about a five-yard loss, I think that Kittle's soul did fly out of his body briefly on that hit. That might have been the hardest hit I have ever seen on a screen. He did the same thing to Kyle Juszczyk on a Texas route in his final season in Seattle and seeing Bobby Wagner lose his ever-living mind right next to him. I mean, I can just keep naming, but the screen blowups, the interceptions, occasionally had clutch sacks you name it. KJ Wright just did everything. He stuffed the stat sheet, never was able to get the accolades that he deserved. He is arguably the most underrated player in franchise history. When you consider the numbers he put up on the defenses he played for, starred for, and only made one pro bowl, but KJ is going to stay in Seattle. He's been an integral part of this community. And so I would expect that at some point, maybe in the near future, he's going to have another role with this franchise because he obviously wants to be around. He's made that clear. And so, Looking forward to that. One of the best players in franchise history. I think he is going to be a Ring of Honor member because of the impact that he's had, not just on the franchise, but the community here in Seattle. Absolutely belongs up there, and he's beloved by this fan base. Coming up next, we're going to wrap up our 90-player countdown. We're finally to the top five. We're looking at the best of the best on the Seahawks roster heading into the 2022 season. If you haven't tried Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready, delicious, indulgent cookie dough. And I just tried it. It is absolutely magnificent. Covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to our new favorite, the Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. Light, chewy texture. Real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. They're healthy. They're tasty. Light, fluffy texture, so good. You're going to fall in love with the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built Bar is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Go to Bilt.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCK15 at built.com for 15% off your order. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks, brought to you early here on YouTube. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We've now got training camp underway, and this has become the tradition. Typically, we have our top five, the best of the best, on our 90-player countdown. We reveal it on the opening day of training camp. So without further ado, Rob, Our top five, and I promise these are all players this time. We made sure to have Pete Carroll at number six. No offense, Pete, but we do have five players to put at the top of our list here. And coming in at number five, Mr. Underrated himself. Two-time Pro Bowler, two-time five interception recipient the last two years. Basically, he has been dominating NFC West quarterbacks, especially Jimmy Garoppolo. Poor Jimmy Garoppolo feels like he throws two or three interceptions every year to Quandre Diggs but he has been one of the best free safeties in the NFL for the last three years. We can argue maybe four because even in Detroit, he was one of the elite players at the position just didn't get the respect. He was the Rodney Dangerfield of free safeties. It feels like he's starting to get a little bit of that respect. He's got a three year, $40 million contract. He got a few all pro votes. He's coming back from his injury, fully healthy. So he's got a chance to really build off what he's done the last couple of years. And like he said, in a press conference in OTAs, I'm not playing for Pro Bowls now. It's time for me to get that all-pro selection that I deserved the last two years. And he's got a great opportunity in this aggressive defense. If they're able to ratchet up the pass rush a little bit more, quarterbacks are going to be chucking the ball around the field. They're going to be pressured. And number six is going to be ready to capitalize with interceptions.
1: Yeah, again, that's an excellent point, Corbin. I think that you look at Quandre Diggs, and he has been incredibly productive throughout his entire career in the NFL. But now, I, I argued against Seattle giving him that type of a contract because we are talking about a, a relatively undersized player who has struggled a little bit with durability. But at the same time, my goodness, what a ball hockey is. And considering Seattle's upgrades in the pass rush, I think you're right. I think that he could be on the precipice of a bigger year, perhaps two or three years. And so it just kind of gives Seattle a little bit of credit for acknowledging that, acknowledging that he has been the Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL at the safety position, at least on their own roster, considering how much accolades that Jamal Adams has received and certainly some of the safeties in the prior years. And yet, when you look at what Quandre takes brings to the Seahawks and previously the Detroit Lions and Texas, uh, Texas Longhorns as well again is a playmaker and in today's era that is critical so yeah you're right and maybe Jimmy Garoppolo might be looking to leave San Francisco because he doesn't want to play in the NFC West anymore with Quandre Diggs Matthew Stafford might be thinking the exact same thing because of course Diggs had similar success against his former teammate and that's one of the reasons why I really think that Seattle is going to be very very happy that they did bring back Quandre Diggs because he is an absolute ball hawk Seattle does have a dynamic pair of safeties. And if this defense is as aggressive and as productive as I think that they are, then I think the, that that they could be, then I think that Quandre Diggs has a chance to be the most statistically relevant of all Seattle's defensive backs this upcoming season. And that leads very well to his argument about possibly being an all-pro player.
0: I think there's another defender that is going to be in the hunt for an all pro selection at middle linebacker, replacing the legend, Bobby Wagner. I think this is a big reason Seattle was willing to bite the bull and say, you know what? We're going to move on from number 54 with that high price tag. We're going to give the keys to Jordan Brooks coming in at number four on our rankings. And we're going to have a chance to talk about him quite a bit more when we get to our day one training camp observations, but What a first full season as a starter that he was able to put together last year. Basically, he and Bobby Wagner all year long, they were playing a game of uh, chasing the possum, going back and forth. And one guy would take the lead in tackles, and then another one would pass him. And this happened all the way till week 17, when unfortunately Wagner got injured and then he missed the last two games. And so that allowed Jordan Brooks with a 20 tackle performance in the season finale to not only tie that record for the most tackles in the game, but have 184 tackles on the season. He is absolutely – talk about Quandra Diggs being a ball hawk. In a sense, this is a tackle hawk at middle linebacker. This guy just flies all over the field. He does what Bobby Wagner did when he first came in the league, elite athleticism for the position, great instincts, and and seems like he's got eyes all around his helmet. He knows where the football is going. He doesn't get faked out. Great – football IQ the area that he needs to improve the most is his coverage but I think we started to see improvements there late last year he was starting to blast screens looked like he'd been talking to KJ Wright some with the way that he was playing late in the season and he's only in his third year Pete Carroll was gushing about him today I truly believe after he got an all-pro vote last year that his ceiling this season is being a first team all-pro and if he's able to do that Yes, it's going to still hurt not having number 54 in a Seahawks uniform, but your defense is going to be able to get by if Jordan Brooks is playing at that level that I believe he's capable of.
1: Yeah, of course. Of of course, you're going to miss Bobby Wagner. Of course, you're going to miss K.J. Wright. But still, it is exciting to see the the next young superstar. And, you know, just go back a couple of years ago, Corb. Remember how many people blasted Seattle for selecting a linebacker from Texas Tech in the first round? Are you kidding me? And yet here this young man is becoming truly one of the best young linebackers in all of the NFL. And, you know, I mean, you know, just... Put it this way, I mean, in his second year in the NFL, he sets a franchise record for the most tackles in a season. That's pretty good. I mean, that's that—that's the kind of player that we're talking about here with Jordan Brooks. And, you know, as you said, we're going to be talking about him a little bit later when we kind of talk about some of our our day one training camp takeaways. But I was just pleased to see him not only have a very impressive performance on the field as a player, but then stay on the field and sign some autographs and really build his stature as a leader of this team, as one of the the, the true superstars of this team, one of the iconic players of this new iteration of the the Seattle Seahawks. So I I just think that the the stage is set for Jordan Brooks to become an absolute superstar, not just the production that we saw last year. I think that he is going to match that production, perhaps even go more so, Knock on wood that he stays healthy, of course, but also just who he is as a person. To me, he is the type of player that you do want to follow in the incredible legacy of some of the great Seahawks linebackers of the past, not the least of which, of course, is Bobby Wagner and, the, and the earlier mentioned K.J. Wright.
0: Yeah, Jordan Brooks is a player that's an ascending talent that hasn't been able to get that All-Pro selection yet. Quandre Diggs has slowly been working his way up with a couple Pro Bowls. He's hoping for an All-Pro. One player, though, that has experienced All-Pro and has done it a couple times, that's Jamal Adams. There's a reason why you give up two first-round picks for a player of that caliber When he came into the league with the Jets, his ability to rush the passer, such a rare asset for a safety, smash people in the run game. He made interceptions, not necessarily a guy that was going to be near the top of the league, but he was a well-rounded, dominant box safety, unlike anything we've seen recently. And so the Seahawks added to the fold. And obviously, as we mentioned on our episode yesterday, Rob, there is a lot of pressure on Jamal Adams because he's on a record contract, $70 million. For a strong safety over a four year contract, he's getting paid. The expectations are through the roof. You've had some shoulder issues, two straight years with labrum surgeries. There's been the finger problems that he now has had corrected with some additional surgery. So he's fully healthy going into season. Can you keep him that way? And if you can, can you maximize this skill set? And we saw last year the way they were using him before he got hurt more of those two deep safety looks, using him in the box more creatively. He had a couple interceptions, but they could not figure out the pass rushing aspect, getting him involved as a blitzer and not making it predictable. That's really going to fall on Sean Desai and Clint Hurt. But if you're able to do that, I know there are a lot of fans that are looking at that trade wondering, why did we do that? It's not looking good. And that may still be the case, no matter what Adams does, because of how much they gave for it, up for him. But... This is a great opportunity for him to reinstill his dominance as one of the elite safeties in the league, and I really like his fit in this defense with what they're going to be planning to do. Not reinventing the wheel, but the changes that they are making that I believe are going to really cater well to a skill set, and so he's got a chance to return to all-pro mode this season. You could potentially have two all-pro safeties in the back half of this secondary.
1: And that's one of the most exciting things about it from a Seahawks perspective about this upcoming season is the, the safety talent is that rich. We've talked about this before, Corb. I mean... You're right. I mean, I, I talked about Jamal Adams. He was my number one player. I thought on the defensive side of the ball, that had that much pressure on him just because of that big salary that he was given. And of course, all of the, the draft picks that Seattle gave up to acquire him in the first place. But yet today, the first day of training camp, he was all over the field. You could just see his athletic ability. And when you think back in your mind's eye of some of the eye-popping plays that Jamal Adams has made during his brief Seahawk career, you have made he has made some of those interceptions as you mentioned and certainly the closing speed his ability at the line of scrimmage that just really makes him a difference maker and so i am just enamored with the possibilities that he has in this defense with Sean Desai, Carl Scott, Clint Hurt. I just love the creativity, the young minds that that might be able to result in Jamal Adams having a spectacular season. I, I think that this is the wild card of our top five here. Everybody else is a little bit more reliable, consistent with a you know maybe a little bit of a acknowledgement of Jordan Brooks coming off of his, you know, big spectacular season, but again, a very young player. But still, Jamal Adams, I think you can make an argument that Jamal Adams should not be in Seattle's top five. I think you make an argument that Jamal Adams should be number one. He is that dynamic of a talent. And I think that his best year in Seattle could be this upcoming season because I am that excited about how he fits up with what the young coaches are looking to put the, the positions they're looking to put him in.
0: Obviously, the quarterback position is a major area of interest going to this training camp without Russell Wilson. There's a lot of questions about Geno Smith and Drew Locke. But if you want one reason why either one of these quarterbacks could be successful when they weren't in their first opportunities as starters, you have to just look at our top five list, and that gives you all you need to know. The top two players on this list are players that those two quarterbacks are going to be throwing to It's basically 1A and 1B. You've got Tyler Lockett coming in at number two and DK Metcalf at number one. Now, when we talk about these players, Rob, obviously there's a lot of major differences. For one, size-wise, DK Metcalf towers over the opposition. Tyler Lockett is a tiny little diminutive receiver. It does not intimidate you from a physical standpoint. But there's a lot of things that they do on the field that are similar. They both have the ability to stretch the field as vertical threats, and they both have the ability to high point the football. They both are solid route runners. Tyler Lockett is a really crafty one, and I think DK Metcalf has improved a lot in that regard the last couple years. They both can make catches along the sidelines. Lockett is as good as anybody in the NFL at doing that. They're both reliable, and they've both been really durable. Lockett had the broken leg a few years back, but he's basically played in every game ever since. Metcalf has yet to miss a game in his three years in the NFL. So you're talking about two guys that, yeah, one is more physically gifted than the other one and you know has the size, the four-three speed, and the ability to just tower over people. But both of these guys are really darn good football players with great athleticism. They have great work ethic and They are extremely durable and reliable, and they're also team leaders. These are guys that you can count on in your locker room. I think you're going to see Metcalf step up in that regard. Once he's got his new contract in place as well, he's going to be one of the guys that takes over a much bigger leadership role with this team with Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner no longer being in town. So there are a lot of similarities here, and if there's a reason for hope, moving on from Russell Wilson to two quarterbacks who didn't make it work in their initial stops – Drew Lock and Geno Smith it's got to be the receiving talent arguably the best one two punch still in the NFL Seattle's got it
1: yeah exactly and, and that's the biggest argument of why you think that the, the, either one of these quarterbacks could still be successful um because again as you, as you just mentioned i mean the wide receiver talent is that rich because Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are frankly just that damn good and 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 as you said they they are complete polar opposites and that's what makes them so fun to watch. I mean, it's like peanut butter and jelly, chocolate and vanilla. It's delicious as a fan to watch because they complement each other so well. I just starting off first with Tyler Lockett, the, the punt return, the kick returner, the the savvy wide receiver, the speed, the as you mentioned, I mean this is a small receiver who can go up and high point the football as well as most big receivers. I would argue he high points the football better than DK Metcalf does. I mean, that, that's one of my, my struggles with DK Metcalf sometimes. Tyler Lockett is absolutely spectacular receiver. I just talked about before with Jordan Brooks sticking after practice and, and kind of just proving himself to be a leader of the team. Tyler Lockett did the same thing. He addressed the fans at the end of today's training camp practice. And that, to me, I think speaks to his leadership. There's going to be some Seahawks fans out there, Corbin, who hear that, that Tyler Lockett addressed the fans, and they're not going to care about that. I'd ask those folks to think about the transition that this franchise is making. You need players to be able to step up and get the fan basic side. And that's exactly what he did. He, uh, We talked about before with KJ, right? Tyler Lockett is out of that same cloth. Truly class. Incredible football player. A better human being. And, and that's why he's got the contracts that he's has with the Seahawks. And that's why he absolutely is appropriately placed as one of the elite players on Seattle's roster, as we have him here at number two, at number two overall. And then quickly DK Metcalf, we talked about this. It, the moment the Seattle selected him with the last selection, a couple of years ago, the second, 60, 64th selection overall a couple of years ago in the NFL draft corporate, he was my number one wide receiver in that draft class. I thought if you could put him in an offense like Seattle's, that you allow him to run down the field and just use his physical potential, that he could be a superstar. I said that he was going to be Julio Jones all over again. I feel very confident that he is going to do that and perhaps even go further than that. This is the most physically gifted wide receiver the Seahawks have ever had. And of course, they have a wide receiver who's in Canton. When he retired, he was the most productive wide receiver in NFL history in Steve Largent. This is that phenomenal of a player. And he did show some great selfishness in, in being in practice today. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But still, I just think that this is a young leader. Like we talked about Tyler Lockett and Jordan Brooks and a phenomenal player. DK Metcalf is the most physically gifted player on Seattle's roster. And that's why he's appropriately placed number one overall on our list.
0: Of course, the Seahawks are going to want him catching passes as soon as possible. That's a perfect segue into our final segment here. Takeaways from the first day of Seahawks training camp. Now, I'm going to throw these disclaimers out there, Rob, and I'm sure you would agree with me. Again, we still are not seeing real football. Guys have their helmets on, the protective gear that half the guys were wearing on in the league's initiative uh, to try to prevent concussions. But they didn't have shoulder pads on. They didn't have pads on under their shorts. It's still OTAs and minicamp. They've got to build these guys back up for a couple weeks before padded practices take place. Once we get to padded practices, it's going to be a lot easier to start evaluating players. With that said, there's still things that you can take away from these practices. And Of course, we got to start with the quarterback position because that's what everybody wants to know about. How did Drew Locke do? How did Geno Smith do? And I'm just going to be brutally honest here. It was day one. And this can be expected, especially when you've had a six-week layoff and you've got one quarterback that's still new to the system. I didn't think either quarterback looked good at all today. I thought Geno Smith overall probably had a slightly better day than what Drew Locke did. Uh, Locke was, at the beginning, was doing a little bit better than Geno Smith, but then the end when he got some reps of the first team really struggled, made a couple of really poor decisions with the football. The last play of the practice, he was rolling out to his left, threw across his body all the way to the other sideline. And DJ Dallas kind of got twisted up funny. I was worried that he was hurt on the play and it was completely avoidable. That ball never should have been thrown. Those are the kind of decisions that he has got to eliminate from his game that were really a problem for him in Denver throughout his three years there. And Geno Smith threw an interception where it was a five yard route, a dump off pass that should be completed every time. And he threw it behind the receiver And it tipped up into the air and Sidney Jones swept in and picked it off. I just didn't think either quarterback looked very good today. Now, they could bounce back tomorrow and both have great days or one could have a really great day and create some separation in this race. But overall, uh, it was a pretty pedestrian effort for both quarterbacks in my estimation.
1: Yeah, we're used to watching Russell Wilson come out there and just throw all pro passes day in, day out. You know, it is what it is. Um, I thought there was some inconsistencies for both the quarterbacks. I thought that Geno Smith was the more intelligent and you know passer in terms of I. I there were some times where I saw him look down the field and make other throws. Uh, I thought that Drew Lock was the more consistently accurate passer. That one ugly throw that you just. Uh, ex- described at the end of the practice, rolling to uh, I can't remember if he was rolling to his left, rolling to his right, throws across his body, as you said. And it was just an ugly duck of a pass. It was like, it was the kind of thing I thought that Drew Locke was the more impressive passer of the two today. Um, there were several passes that Geno Smith threw behind his receiver. On short little crossing routes that resulted in some uh, incompletions. And as the interception, as you mentioned, that was to, it was intended to Marquise Goodwin, got tipped up in the air because it was behind Goodwin. Sidney Jones was right there, would have been a pick six. It wasn't a terrible throw by Juno Smith, but it certainly was an accurate throw. And I saw several of those. I saw more accurate throws from Julock on a variety of passes, but I saw a long ball over the top over the top from drew lock uh, i believe it was to bo melton that wound up being an incompletion that showed his aggression showed that gunslinger kind of mentality we've talked about could be a good thing could be a bad thing from drew lock and then the ugly throw that you talked about the end practice and you just want to grab drew lock and throw off this side. like what the heck are you doing you had a strong day here and now you just gave it all away on one silly throw and that would be the argument of why Geno Smith is number one right now on, on Seattle's quarterback depth chart. And I'm curious to see if Drew Locke is going to be able to make some steps forward. There was a flag thrown on that play that we talked about. Drew Drew Locke did get hit. Still, it was a poor decision to throw the football. He shouldn't have done that. And, and that's where I'm very curious to see how the Seattle's quarterback uh, competition goes moving forward. I'll, I'll say this, Jacob Eason threw a couple of good balls. And, and so we've talked about this before, Corbin. If you have three quarterbacks competing, you don't really have one. But still, I I certainly want to acknowledge that I saw a couple of good throws from Jacob Eason. I saw some classy moves by all three quarterbacks. I think this is going to be every bit the quarterback battle that we've talked about all summer long, that this is going to come down every day. There's going to be some winner, and it's going to come down to those three preseason games. Kudos to the Seahawks for giving Drew Locke a couple of opportunities with the ones. Drew Locke, you got to step up. You you got to be sure that you're playing better if you are going to get more of those opportunities with the ones.
0: Yeah, practices like the one that he had today, he's not closing the gap on Geno Smith. It's just not going to happen, unless Geno Smith's play just completely tailspins, which I don't think that's going to happen. So he's going to have to elevate his game, and he's got to make smarter decisions with the football. He was accurate most of the day. But then throws like that, they weigh very heavily into the evaluation. You just can't do that. And in the defense of both quarterbacks, when you don't have DK Metcalf on the field, D. S. Gridge is still dealing with a tight hamstring, and so he didn't do anything after warm-ups. So that's something that's worth noting because he was having issues with that during the end of their OTAs, and it's been six weeks since then. So he's just not been able to stay healthy. You're hoping you can get him out on the field, and hopefully this isn't something that's going to linger, but not having two of your top three receivers certainly impacts things. And then you had the other receivers there were struggling to get open or they were dropping passes. Bo Melton dropped a wide-open slant pass that Geno Smith threw right in the breadbasket. So it was not all on the quarterbacks. It just felt like... It looked like day one of training camp. It looked like the defense was way ahead of the offense, and there were accuracy issues. The receivers were not crisp. Uh, Obviously, you're not going to be dealing with offensive versus defensive lines playing at full capacity, but it seemed like both quarterbacks were bugged a little bit when there was some pressure coming from non-contact pass rushers. So anyway... In their defense, there were some circumstances working against them, but they both have got to be better, particularly Drew Locke, if he wants to win this job. Now, positives on offense, number 20 in the backfield, Rashad Penny. I right now think he and Jordan Brooks are kind of, with DK Metcalf not being on the field, those two are on a pedestal right now in terms of being men among boys. Rashad Penny is 237 pounds, according to Pete Carroll, and and Penny's kind of affirmed that in the press conference today. He doesn't look like he weighs 237 pounds. He looks like he maybe weighs 225. I mean, he's lean. But I think at 237, it's the perfect combo for his speed and power. And he's really found that ideal weight. And, and 237 now compared to 237 is his rookie year, I think it's two different things. He is just an outstanding shape. And you can see the burst and the explosiveness. He was the most impressive player in my mind today, just watching him move around and how he played the end of last year. That is a really exciting development for Seahawk fans. If he can stay healthy, Rashad Penny looks like he maybe has some interest in being a bell cow this year.
1: Yeah, I, I have. I 100% agree with you. And I was not necessarily expecting to say that. I thought this was going to be the kind of the Ken Walker show, and Ken Walker made some nice runs as well. Um, you know, he had one run where he kind of juked both the Seattle's Pro Bowl safeties. And, I, and again, this is, as you talked about before, this is day one of training camp and it, Pro Bowl safeties are not going to lay out to, to tackle a rookie running back. It's not allowed by NFL rules, and it's certainly not the way that veterans operate. But still, I saw some exciting burst um, and change of direction from from Ken Walker, but I saw that from ken walker 209 pounds and then uh, as you mentioned rashad penny 237 pounds and and to see that change of direction and burst from rashad penny it was the exact same player that we saw in those magical couple of games to end the last season corbin and so that's why i'm excited about what we rashad got penny and boosters
0: Penalty. hooked up to the back
1: of his shorts. He's, he 's a first round running back, and those are damn rare and that 's why Seattle made that selection when they did now Obviously, his success has been up and down up and down we, we know all know that, but there is no denying the kid's physical ta- the young man 's physical talent. Uh, Rashad Penny is a physical talent, and he demonstrated that on the first day of training camp. As Pete Carroll said, you just want to see him string together these days back to back to back. But in terms of the first day impression, I would agree with you. Rashad Penny was the best player on offense today.
0: And the best player on defense, hands down, was number 56. And as we mentioned early in the show, we we had him at number four in our top five on our 90-player countdown. Next season, he could be number two, number three, maybe even number one if he really peaks this year. And just seeing how comfortable he is in that Mike Linebacker spot and how he is taking on that leadership role and how teammates are looking to him, I'm not going to ever say that this kid is animated because I don't think that's his style. He leads by example, but he's definitely more vocal than what he has been. He has picked up that slack. You could already see that in OTAs and minicamp. And again, I feel like there's eyes all around his helmet because the guy just knows where the football's at. He's got a nose for it. He's always in every single play. That's how you get 184 tackles in a season is just having that nose for the football and flying all over the place, sideline to sideline, being in a good position a couple of times in coverage as well. I think that's where he's going to improve the most. And so Pete Carroll was gushing about him after practice. I don't know how you couldn't gush about this kid because I've said it multiple times. I'm going to say it again. First team all pro potential. Jordan Brooks absolutely has that. And it's one practice. It's beginning of training camp. But he was just as impressive as anybody out there in terms of his movement, picking up uh, plays, finding the ball carrier. you name it. He was just all over the place. And I thought the corners played really well as well today. This really was a corners win the day practice defense dominated overall.
1: It did. I think the two rookie cornerbacks in particular, Cody, Kobe Bryant, uh, Tariq Wool, I thought both made impressive plays. Um, I'm going to butcher his name, but uh, Joel, Iggy, uh, Iguabunie, I mean, he just made some some pretty impressive plays. You can just see the quick twitch that intrigued Sean Desai. So those are a couple of players that I thought, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball that made some kind of splashy plays that really had you intrigued. Pete Carroll talked about it in his post-practice press conference, speed. He really sees the speed on this team. It was obvious for those of us who were there in attendance as well.
0: Yeah, and Kobe Bryant is not known as a speedster, but the play – that you mentioned earlier where Drew Locke chucked it downfield. Bo Melton had a couple steps on Kobe Bryant, which you'd expect. Bo Melton ran a much faster 40 time. But Kobe Bryant, in the last second, was able to make up that ground. And as we've seen him do on his college tape time and time again, he got his hand on the football and swatted it away, and he did it without interfering with the receiver. It was a beautiful play. Now, we'll see what he does when we get the pads on. But – everything that I've seen from Kobe Bryant so far has been extremely impressive. He's getting second team reps as is Tariq Woolen. I asked Pete Carroll about what he's got to see for them to potentially be starters. And he didn't really dive into the specifics on that. But again, you can tell the enthusiasm he's got about both these kids. And if Woolen can end up making some plays in camp, maybe the ETA for him playing on defense is going to be much earlier than we anticipated. But right now, Both those guys are impressive. Sidney Jones had a very good day. That interception was in good position, a number of of other plays in coverage. And so that's going to be a fun battle. And you get Trey Brown back here in short order. It sounds like he's not that far off from being back based on what Carol said today. You put him in there with those two rookies, already Burns, the player they've been talking up. Uh, That is going to be incredibly competitive. And any one of those five players could be a starter when the season opens. So that is one we're going to be talking about a lot, but this was a day that was ruled by the corners with all the past deflections, the interception by Jones. And that's a good omen for Seattle at a position that has been a question mark and has had a lot of turnover the last few years. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob rang. Make sure to check out locked on Seahawks on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on youtube coming up on our friday episode gonna have some observations from day two of training camp i'll be joined by my co-host nick lee and we're gonna have a little bit of fun with some stock watch after the first two practices of training camp you won't want to miss it enjoy the rest of your thursday go hawks